You're listening to Ink Studs, and my guest this week is Ant Sang, and his uh, new book, well, I shouldn't say new book, because it's a collection of older work um, from the early 2000s, is uh, The Dharma Punks, uh, published in English by Conundrum Press, uh, as well as in French by, and I'm sorry for everyone how I'm going to pronounce this, uh, Prescaloon, and as well, a couple years ago, Shaolin Burning uh, from HarperCollins in New Zealand, and the upcoming uh, graphic novel exchange. Uh, who's putting that out? Um, I th- I think it's going to be through um, through uh, Dala Publishing. I th- I believe they're a Taiwanese. They're quite quite a big Taiwanese publisher. Okay. So yeah, yeah, and they helped organise the, the the graphic novel exchange. And that's going to be yourself and four uh, Taiwanese cartoonist was it or there were three taiwanese cartoonists and three new zealand cartoonists okay. yeah so um it was a really good project they came came to new zealand in um in october last year and then we went to taipei in february and um we weren't sure how we were gonna approach the the project um you know we were wondering if we were going to to split duties like someone write write a story and someone pencil it and someone ink it or you know we weren't quite sure there were six of us involved uh we weren't yeah we had to figure out quite quickly what we were going to do um and we decided in the end what we were going to do was we were going to do a story for each of the people from the other country so each of us had to do three stories oh wow yeah, and the the stories are presented as gifts to those people, you know. So they had to be quite specific stories, and we had to we had to get to know each other as 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 best we can could in a short period of time. So it was um, yeah, it was a really interesting experience. Now the one story that you showed me uh, that I read um, was kind of a fighting one. Were they all kind of similar, or were you doing different types of works? Yeah, completely different. Um, for that one, because I'm a kung fu fan from way back, <laughs> um, um, I um, yeah, I managed to sneak in kung fu because uh, one of the other the Taiwanese guys, he he was a huge, huge kung fu fanatic as well. He was a huge Bruce Lee fan from back when he was a kid, and you know, growing up in Taipei, um, and he's also a, a, a very doting father. So I combined those two elements, you know, kung fu and um, about the fears of parenthood, you know. Um, so it's a little bit lone wolf and cub as a as a as a, a kung fu fighter looking after his son as he travels through the the dangerous world um, and kind of contemplating about his his fears for his his you know little vulnerable child. That he's carrying on his back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, comes up against a whole group of of, uh, of menacing figures who um, who who represent the um, the dangers of the world. You know, um, I don't know if you could could um, you probably you probably can't re- read Chinese. Am I right? No, I'm pretty. <laughs> w- I'm as white as they come. <laughs> um, well, well, I I had to um, I had to, to Google search to find out the Chinese characters, and then I had to check them with the Taiwanese um, guys to see that it was the correct char- Chinese character. Um, but but the, the thing that I found out recently was um, a long time ago in China they would use tattoos on the foreheads, and they would if you were convicted of something they would they would brand you know murderer or thief or whatever whatever your crime was on your forehead so everyone would know um but i i I used that idea and i tattooed um words um like famine and pestilence on on these guys that were attacking the father so it was more it was kind of a combination of four horsemen from the apocalypse and kung fu in a kung fu setting yeah (laughs) yeah i like that Mm. um now we're kind of starting at the most recent stuff, uh, mm. but I guess uh, one of the main reasons to talk today is uh, the collection of Dharma Punks, which came out in North America yep. uh, just a couple months ago, I think, pretty recently. Um, 
Yeah, when I think September, I think it it got released in yeah the US and UK and um, Canada. And it was originally completed in was it two thousand three? That's right. Yeah. There we go. I remember things. So it's a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> good remember. <laughs> now, um, I guess before jumping into that, I kind of want to know more about your kind of adolescence and your zine days, uh, because mm-hmm. that this is kind of in the way I see is kind of it ends a certain period of your life um, Mm. before moving on and kind of the, I guess it's like a closure in a way in a book. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious about that role of like how you're different from then to how you, when you're actually doing the book. And I guess I've asked like five different questions in there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll give you a convoluted answer and see if that works. Well, why don't we start out with talking about um, kind of what you were into as a teenager and what you were doing creatively um, yeah. as your output. Mm. And you were growing well, up in Auckland, was it? or? Well, I, I was born in New Zealand, but my whole family moved to Hong Kong um, when I was seven. So I lived there for 11 years. Oh, wow. Till I was 18, and then I came back to New Zealand. Um. And then I um, was studying graphic design, and um, and that's when I um, started wanting to do comics. I was, I was quite a late starter. It, was, it wasn't until I was about um, probably about 20, 20, 20, 21, I think, that I started thinking I wanted to do comics. Um, until then, I was, a, I was a very visual person, and I'd do a lot of... Um, I was into fantasy art for a while, and for a while, I was, when I was younger, I was into Asterix and, you know, kind of funny comics, and I'd, I'd just do a lot of drawing. Um, but I never really um, got into doing comics, like making stories, you know, writing stories. Uh, it was all just, just illustrations and cartoons at that stage. What kind of uh, stuff were you looking at as a teen in Hong Kong? Um, well, um... You know, because I, 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 came, I came from New Zealand, which is very Western, so we had all the UK and American comics mm-hmm. uh, in New Zealand. When I went to Hong Kong, um, I really, I never really got used to the, the Chinese comics, you know, that there's such a different look. Um, and plus, I couldn't read most of them. So um, I, for, for a long period of my life, I didn't... Um, I didn't read a whole lot of comics. Like when I came across Judge Dredd and, and Asterix and Tintin, and, uh, I'd read those. Um, and the funny kind of comics like Donald Duck and Richie Rich and Casper the Friendly Ghost, I'd read those. I was really um, just whatever I could get my hands on, I, I would read. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a New Zealand comic as well called Foot Rock Flats, which was very um, based around the classic kind of stereotype of what. New Zealand is like was set on a farm, uh, which is completely not my experience of New Zealand. Living in you know the suburbs and near a city, um, yeah. So a real varied um, uh, kind of comic background in terms of what I read as a kid. Now earlier, before you were saying about how you had to look up um, the characters, uh, the Chinese character was it? Were you mm. like reading Cantonese in Hong Kong and doing Mandarin? For the story, or um, for for the Taiwanese story, yeah. Um, no, I, it's going to be bilingual, so okay. I, I wrote it in English, and someone else is translating it. But I mean, you I, you were saying earlier about how you had to look up online what the characters mm. meant. So I'm curious, like, um, what were you were you able to read much when you're living in Hong Kong? No, or are you kind of sticking with English. Okay. Yeah, I, I learned a little bit of Cantonese when I was in Hong Kong, but um, I, I was I was went to an international school, so all my friends were English speaking, you know, from from the UK or America or Korea. They were they were all you know international students, so it was really weird being in Hong Kong. We were in this little little bubble yeah. where we we could speak English and we didn't really have to learn Chinese. Um, I did try, but I, I failed to, <laughs> to grasp it at that, that stage of my life, and now I regret it. Um, yeah. I'm going to presume it was probably before 1997 that you moved back, or? Yeah, it was in uh, 88. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 
You're, you're, I, I was thinking you were younger. <laughs> no, <laughs> those Chinese genes. I, I look younger than I am. <laughs> um, well, like coming back then when you're 18. I mean, that's such like mm-hmm. a pivotal age um, where you're yeah. just like inhaling all these different things, just grasping from all sorts of different stuff that you weren't having access to as much before. Yeah, I guess I, I came back to, uh, when I came back to New Zealand, I started getting into, um, when I was at graphic design school, I had a, um, a mate of mine who's a good friend now, um, and he's, he's a good cartoonist well, though he, as well, though he doesn't, doesn't produce a lot. Um, he, he started introducing me to, um, to the alternative comics, um, you know, Dan Clowes, Chester Brown, um, Julie Dissett and all those kind of cartoonists. Um, and that really, um, that was like opening up a new world for me, you know, because suddenly, suddenly there were, there were stories that were really, um, that were really relevant to my life, you know, at that, at that age, I was, in, you know, in my early twenties, um, and going through, going through an existential crisis, really. Um, and, um, yeah, that's that's what got me into wanting to do comics. Um, just see, seeing the rawness of those stories and seeing that comics didn't have to be super slick and perfect, like you know the, all, all the, the mainstream comics that I was used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, yeah, that that's what got me into it was was alternative comics, and that's that's where when I started making mini comics, um, you know, just little batches of photocopied comics. Um, yeah, that was that was my, my that was my beginnings. At the same time, were you get getting into punk rock and going out to shows and stuff? Or yeah, I, I was never like because um, some people think Down Punks is is more autobiographical than it than it is. I was more I was I was kind of like into the because grunge was happening then, so it was kind of like a an offshoot of punk. So I was yeah. I was into old kind of alternative and indie kind of music, and I do like punk, but I'm not like a full on. <laughs> um, a connoisseur or anything, you know. Um, I'm not encyclopedic about about punk, um, but I do I do love the the look of punk and I do love the attitude of punk and um, yeah. So that's that's kind of where 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 my characters came from because they were like I was I was wanting to write stories about myself, but my life wasn't that interesting. So I was doing it through um, through these these characters that were you know, a lot more interesting than me, but expressing some of the stuff that I was, I was going through. Um, I guess one of the assumptions I'd made about the age thing was because um, kind of the, the approach to it, like you're talking about the grunge thing, like that kind of mm. felt very familiar to me, uh, like yeah. coming from the same kind of era of like being exposed mm. to that stuff. And that's, I think that's part of the thing that I really latched on to. Yeah. Um, that kind of, newer influence like yeah not necessarily punk mm. rock but just being into different music and whatnot sure yeah at the same time were you developing an interest in buddhism um or was that a later kind of coming in yeah i think it was um yeah i think it was around that time because I, I, i'll tell you what what happened was um when we first started um I just just started this graphic design course, and and um, a group of us were out one night, and um, we didn't know each other super well. But there was there was this one guy that was larger than life, and he was you know he he was full of um, full of that zest for life, um, whereas I wasn't. You know, I'm kind of an introverted cartoonist. You know, that's been shy all my life and introverted, um, and he. Um, We'd been out at a bar drinking, and the bar had closed. And then we heard this smash around the corner, and um, I thought someone had thrown a bottle or something. Um, but then one of our friends came around the corner and said that um, our friend had been hit by a car. So we went around the corner to see what had happened, and he was lying, um, lying in the middle of the road, face down, just kind of his body was just um, was just convulsing. You know, he was. Yeah, he, he he was he was not in a, in good shape, and um, very shortly after that, an ambulance came and they they cut his clothes off and put him in the ambulance, and that was the last um, last I ever ever saw of him. Um, 
alive at least um uh and and that was until that time i think i was kind of just going through the motions of <laughs> of being alive you know I, i hadn't really thought about um the deeper issues about about why we're here and that was um that, that kind of turned my life upside down for, for quite a few years as i kind of um and i struggled to to kind of grasp you know the, the the big questions and that's i guess when i started looking into buddhism as a as a way of looking at the world um and also that was around the time when when i got introduced to alternative comics so it was like this this um this time in my life when everything was kind of coming together and kind of shaping i guess who who, who i am now mm-hmm. now that's a scene you kind of capture a bit in the book um with the cutting and the clothes off and stuff yeah. and i'm wondering about about putting that in the book and kind of processing mm. it that way for yourself yeah well i guess um because um so i started off doing mini comics and they were quite angry confused kind of mini comics they were called filth and i did seven issues of them um and then by about 97 i finished finished up with that and i felt like i'd really done all i wanted to do with that and i felt like i'd kind of moved on from that uh that period of my life and i wanted to move on to something else um originally i wanted to do a kung fu comic but i just um kept coming back to the those punk characters that i'd created in filth and um i i decided i i have to do one more story with with them and this will be this will be the end of it it'll be I'll make a story with them and it'll be like a closure for that that time of my life mm-hmm. and um yeah so so like depicting that scene where um Chopstick's friend um is lying dying or dead and having her clothes cut off by the ambulance people um yeah it was it was all part of I guess this kind of catharsis and closing that ch- uh, you know that that chapter of my life so yeah it was um yeah a very personal um story in in the end with what you were doing with filth in comparison with dharma punks um mm. you talk about how you know young angry man with filth um <laughs> yeah. were you able to have these quieter moments in there or was that part of the role that dharma punks played for you as as you say like that catharsis that process um so like filth was filth was all over the place eh? it was um like dharma punks was the first time i had tried to do a full long form story um filth was just a whole bunch of um kind of bad poems put to comics and filth <laughs> <laughs> filth had some fans but i can't read it now it's just who um <laughs> I, I, yeah i can't can't even read it now or look at it now uh it was pretty raw and pretty <laughs> pretty um hard on the sleeve kind of stuff <laughs> do you have um a similar relationship with dharma punks or what kind of relationship do you feel that now because i mean it's been 12 years since you finished it mm. um how do you relate with that book um i I I I can look at it and I can read it which is good. I, I don't have to I don't have to you know I don't pick it up and think no I can't look at it and put it put it in back in my drawers. Like I can look at it and I and I'm proud of the Dharma Punks um because it was a big step up from from the filth mini comics. Um but it's definitely when I look at it and read it I can definitely see it's um yeah you know I I did it what over 10 years ago so it was it was definitely at a different stage of my life it's it's strange when you when you look back on stuff you've done a long time ago and you can see you know that you were a different person um but it's uh, but it's it's a work that I'm that I'm happy still happy to to um to be associated with you know one of the things i was thinking about with the kind of the book has these philosophical ideas and mm. and there's that there's a there's a really strong conflict in there between chopstick and how he's trying to move forward and this is like overwhelming overbearing nihilism mm. 
um, from the whole world around him. Mm. Uh, and and I'm wondering um, that kind of cognitive choice to really like put that in there um, and how that for yourself is a balance and kind of working through that nihilism. Yeah, I guess you you know in that in in well not everyone you know but in there's a certain period in your life where you're um where you're trying to figure out your place in the world um, and you do feel like you're sometimes you feel like you're an alien being plonked onto planet Earth and you you don't you know you can't relate to other people and you feel like no one can relate to you and you um you feel you know alienated and isolated um. And you're trying to make sense of the world, um, so that was all. That yeah, that that was all part of Chopstick's experience in his world. You know, he's um, surrounded by all these associates and friends, um, but he's kind of an outsider, and he's kind of trying to figure out where you know where do I fit in to all of this. Um, and I guess with his beliefs, you know, he's he's got. Um, his, his kind of spiritual outlook, which his friends don't, so he's trying to trying to reconcile, um, you know, how he how he can, you know, his love of punk rock and his, his Buddhist ideals, you know, how how can he um, how can he make those work in his life, and um, yeah, and you know, where, where does he fit into the world? So. Um, I forgot your question, but I think I kind of answered that. <laughs> I, I think I think you got it. It was just about yeah. the, that that balance between the nihilism and the oh, sure. yeah, yeah. that that existential. I don't want to say optimism, um, mm. but there there's something there that that Chopstick's going for that conflicts with everything else in his life. Mm. And I guess he kind of finds that. that yeah, way. I um. Without giving too much away for readers. <laughs> but sure, yeah, how to navigate spoilers. Because um, the 90s was um, it was a time when there was a lot of um, really exciting but pretty grim kind of cinema and music and art. Um, and I loved all that stuff, but when I was doing the Dharma Punks, I, didn't want to, I wanted to do something which... Um, I guess was an antidote to that, you know, which, which said something quite hopeful mm-hmm. um, in the end. So that was that was one of my my aims with with the book. Um, yeah, was to was to inject on a on a hopeful hopeful note. Now the book was, from what I understand, massively successful for a self published um, punk rock comic mm. in New Zealand. And was that, how did that kind of, did that surprise you? Uh, did that affect how you're working on it? Yeah, yeah, it was, um, like, Filth was pretty popular, um, but it was just a scrappy little mini-comic. Um, and uh, d- doing Dharma Punks, I knew I wanted to do something a lot more ambitious, you know. Um, I wanted to do something that reached out to more people. Um, I don't know if you've had the experience of going to conventions and, um, like, I've never been to the conventions in America, but um, in New Zealand, uh, with New Zealand comics, and our, um, you know, we quite often, in, in the back in the old days, we had a booth where we'd have all our self-published mini-comics, and mm-hmm. uh, people would, people who weren't necessarily comic fans or knew about the indie kind of comic scene or the zine scene, they would come by in their masses and um, look confused at us and wander off, you know, <laughs> and it could be, be pretty depressing at times. So I wanted to do something, um, I wanted to produce something which um, had better production values as well as better art and, you know, a, a good solid story. So I was, I was trying to, um, up, up my game, I guess. Um, but yeah, it, w- it was surprising that because um, I guess I did the comic for for people that read comics in New Zealand, but it it, it ended up that it kind of had a wider reach than that, and people that didn't normally read New Zealand comics um, started hearing about it and um, started going to the comic shops to find it. So it, it um, you know, and it it did really well for what it was, you know, which was a completely independent. You know, scrappy little comic. 
Indeed. Um, yes. Is that something unique to like to New Zealand, where it's really important to kind of be supportive of your own and celebrate your own? Because it's kind of like that with here in Canada, where you know, like mm. Chester Brown and Julie Doucet are like our important Canadian folks. <laughs> um, right. And, and we really like as much as we're like right next to the United States. It's really important to have our autonomous culture, as I'm sh- mm. I presume might be similar with New Zealand and. Australia being mm. nearby and kind of trying to like yeah. maintain. Sure, yeah. There's there, we're small, small scenes, you know, small numbers um, down here in New Zealand, and so most of us, um, maybe not so much now. Things are slightly changing, and it's becoming a lot more. The scene is opening up and becoming a lot more diverse. But you know, when I started in the '90s and even you know in the 2000s, when I was doing Dharma punks. Um, Pretty much most people that were doing comics knew each other, you know, and so it was kind of brand New Zealand comics, you know, this is kind of safety in numbers and support each other and, um, you know, if if one of us does well, then that's good for all of us because that's good for New Zealand comics, you know, <laughs> so people will hear about us and know that we exist. Um, and I was in Australia recently and they've got, it seems that they've got a really um, a really tight kind of, mentality too where it's really you know team australian comics or melbourne comics i, I visited yeah. melbourne um yeah so i guess i guess it it could be similar to, to what you were talking about in canada mm-hmm. yeah there in melbourne there's actually there's something really interesting going on there mm. like, uh, like simon hanselman's there is mm. pat grant there he might be there. i'm not sure um i only i was only there for a couple of weeks and i met some of the some of the guys from who were they, from squish face studio and um uh, michael Fakaris. um seems to be quite a uh a, a key member of the the, the scene um the silent army guys oh, so it okay. seems to be quite a lot of groups that all yeah. you know but all supportive of each other. You know? Yeah, no, it's really neat when you have uh, areas like that and kind of mm. everyone's really into what each other are doing and pushing each other. Yeah, really. you um, kind of need because comics are so solitary. Yeah, eh? you, you know, you sit in your room. Yeah, for hours, you know. Um, speaking of New Zealand cartoonists, I was kind of I was when I read Shaolin uh, Burning, you made a reference mm. to Martin Eamond, uh which kind of surprised me because like completely worlds apart different styles uh but that was yeah. also really nice to see because he's someone who i hadn't thought about mm. uh in a number of years um, yeah and i just want to kind of if you don't mind mm. hear a little bit more about him uh for folks oh. who may not be as familiar with his stuff um sure yeah uh well, well martin was um like this enormous star in new zealand comics um he was he was this um a lot of New Zealand comics are really quite um quiet and dark, kind of introspective kind of work, so at least they traditionally were, you know, um, when I started in the nineties. Um but Martin was doing stuff that was a lot more commercial and he, he was just this incredibly talented guy. Um that could draw better than than anyone, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he was amazing. Um, but but he did stuff that was a lot more. Um, uh, how would you describe it? Uh, he he was he was into. Um, he ended up doing s- stuff for. Um, he did he he worked on Lobo and he worked on. Um, I think his big thing was White Trash. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, which was a which was a color graphic novel. Um, and it was all it was all hand painted with um, acrylic paints. Um, mm. He actually taught me how to paint in about five minutes. Um, I went to his house one day, and he had these little test pots of house paints, which were acrylics, and he was using those to paint. And he just showed me to start off dark and go lighter, and that's how you that's all you do. That's my technique. He pretty much showed me, <laughs> and that's how <laughs> and that's how I learned to paint as well. Um, but I think he kind of learned it through because um, he. he he um, hung out with Simon Bisley for a, a, a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he, he brought those kind of skills back to New Zealand. Um, so he, he was really talented with comics, and then in New Zealand he started up a, um, 
like a streetwear label called Illicit with a couple of his mates. Um, and he had this character called Switchblade. Have, have you heard of, or have you seen Switchblade or what, heard anything was about that? Was that one of the ones that came out from um, Danzig's comics? Ver, Ver, no, it no, okay. wasn't. Yeah, the, um, the, the, the kind of demon co- yeah. comic. Yeah. <laughs> no, this was... Uh, <laughs> This was um, his own character, and it was apparently a really personal um, um, project for him uh, about his his kind of life and his group of friends. And um, but it was done in this really, uh, you say it kind of like a fifties retro style, really cutesy kind of looking. But oh, really, this kind of dark edge to it because they were all orphans and they walked around with switchblades and smoked cigarettes with their, you know like t-shirts with rolled up sleeves so they were kind of rock and roll kind of little orphans but they looked really cute um so that was um yeah that was a a project of his that he was um was trying to get off the ground and trying to um get made into a a movie an animated feature uh when he was living in uh, in america yeah oh wow i had no idea Mm. Um, i i just like remember his work i just really loved it um Mm. He was very sad with his passing when it happened. Yeah, he, he he passed away in um, in 2004, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was it was a, it was a shock, you know. It was uh, left a massive hole in New Zealand comics. It was like this huge entity had just disappeared, you know. It was um, yeah, really really sad um, that it turned out like that. Um, yeah, but um, I think you were referring to him because there was a character in Shaolin Burning, which was yeah, which was on him. Yeah, and that's kind of, and I guess, um, kind of a segue between that and Dharma Punks. Mm. It came out a, quite a number of years after Dharma Punks. Mm, that's right. Yeah. Um, I guess because in the meanwhile you're working on the cartoon Bro Town. That's right. Yeah, the animated show. Yeah, which I haven't actually seen. Mm. I probably didn't reach American shores. <laughs> <laughs> let, was... <laughs> let alone Canadian. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, yeah, Canadian shores. Yeah. You have a um, Canadian publisher. You got to remember these things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's um, yeah, Brotown. Um, it did. It did. It was. It was like a hit TV show in New Zealand, and I. I think it did. It did get around. To, it went to Australia, and maybe it did reach Canada. But you know, maybe on one of the um, uh, what, what do you call those stations? Like um, more kind of a niche kind of stations, like the um, Comedy Central type thing, or the animation thing, or maybe, or... Or maybe even um, like kids. No, I'm I'm kind of thinking um, more like. Um, uh, to do with um uh god i i'm stumbling around for looking for the word um maybe for oh, more for like an, maybe indigenous programming oh like, okay maybe i think I, I can't remember but maybe it came through that way was it was it about maori yeah it's about um there was one there was a, it was about a group of kids um well not kids they were teenagers uh there were five of them and and four of them were Samoan and one of them was Maori, and um, so it was a it was a really big thing when it started in, in New Zealand because it was because um, it was something really different, you know, an animated primetime show about um, you know there's four, four Samoan boys and a, their Maori mate, um, and they were it was, it was it was playing with a lot of stereotypes and and. And sending them up and making fun of, um, you know, people's I- ideas of, um, you know, what what Maori are like and what Samoans are like and what Chinese are like. I was, I was playing up against a lot of the stereotypes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I worked on that for five years. I was the uh, character designer on that show, and I worked with a, a small team of designers, um, and that was. Um, that was so different to working on comics. It was, it was, <laughs> they, they, they had money and they, they had a big team working on it, so it was, it was real um, a real eye opener for me in that environment. Um, did you do any comics while you're working on that, or did that kind of like tap your creative energy? 
Pretty much, yeah. I, I was um, I was um, probably working on, you know, just like notes and things and sketches for stuff, trying to figure out what my next project would be. But pretty much, it was a full time thing. And um, during those years, um, me and my wife started a family as well. So, so between between Bro Town and and little kids, um, <laughs> comics had to take a, <laughs> take a back seat for a number of years. Oh, you got to get the kids to learn how to ink. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> maybe penciling to start with. <laughs> uh, get them into Photoshop to learn flatting or something. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, start them off easy. Now, yeah. um, the difference between uh, Dharma Punks and Shaolin Burning is quite dramatic in like a lot of different ways. Um, mm. Dharma Punks is very dense and very full story where Shaolin Burning uh, it's very open and it has breathing room um, mm. and, and I'm curious about that change like uh, starting anew and starting fresh um, mm. it was really weird starting a new project you know um, and um, yeah I, w I wanted to do something that suited the Kung Fu story um, so I knew it had to be different from Dharma Punks. Um, but one thing I realized looking back at Dharma Punks when I look at those pages is I use so much black ink in, the, in Dharma Punks. I must have gone through just bottles and bottles of Indian ink. <laughs> There's so much black in it, you know. Um, but with Shell and Burning, I, was, I, was, I knew that I was going to be using, um, uh, I'd be digitally, you know, adding grey tones to it, so I didn't use as much black. Um, but also, I guess my style over, you know, that was it was over. It was about ten years after I finished Armor Punk, so my style had naturally changed. Mm -hmm. um, after working on Brotown for five years, I had to really find my style again because Brotown was this. Um, your viewers obviously can't see Brotown, but it's this very clean cartoony kind of style which which again was so different to dharma punks um so i had to find i had to find a new style to do you know for the for shell and burning um so yeah it was kind of weird starting on a new project and it took took some time to figure out what my angle was going to be mm -hmm. now uh you'd mentioned kung fu before um was that uh, something you really wanted to get into doing, um, telling specific kung fu stories? Yeah, just um, I've, I had told one kung fu story some years before. It was just like a short story. It was like maybe, maybe eight or nine pages um, long, and it was called something like um, Little Buddha Boy versus the... What was it? Little Buddha Boy versus the Angry Heart or something. It was about... You know, it had Buddhism, it had Kung Fu, um, but it was quite a cartoony story. And it, it was this little uh, Buddhist Kung Fu fighter who was um, from the Shaolin Temple, you know, and he was fighting off a horde of, you know, those um, Chinese hopping ghosts? They're like kind of vampires, but they hop around. Uh, I don't know if you've seen them, but you... If you not not if you in the flesh. Sorry? Not in the flesh. Oh, right. <laughs> Lucky, luckily for you, <laughs> if you if you check out some B grade um, Hong Kong horror films, you'll find you'll find them. They're they're really cool. Um, so it was about a, a little kid fighting off a horde of um, hopping ghosts. Um, so I had done a kung fu story before, but I wanted to do another one, um, a more substantial one. And, and the idea with um, Shell and Burning was um, it was a kung fu story, but it was really about it was really about comic artists, you know, it was, it was about, um, which is why one of the characters was based on Martin, you know, it was, it was me kind of thinking about people that I knew and, and how we all have different ways of, um, of approaching our, our work and, and how we use our talent as, you know, as storytellers and cartoonists. Um, so the the parallel was, you know, in this in Shaolin Burning, there's a there's a group of people, and they all they're really good at fighting, and they love to fight, and that's what they do. Just like I like to tell stories and draw, um, and it was about 
yeah, just how, how they use their talents and whether, um, whether their talents, um, control them or whether they can control their talents, you know, mm -hmm. it's about the struggles of a, it was, it was a disguise story about the creative, uh, the struggles of a creative life. <laughs> <laughs> um, was part of that, like, um, did you have personally, like beyond having the time, um, mm. during those that that point in time was there a lot of challenges in, you, in starting new projects um after you were kind of able to exercise the the dharma punks out yeah i guess because dharma punks were so personal you know i had to like i knew i wanted to do a kung fu story but I just, it took me a long time to figure out okay i want to do a, a story with lots of martial arts action but what the hell am i going to write about you know um i was um and, and for a while, I guess, I was worried, you know, was, was it Dharma Punks? Was it the only thing that I had in me? You know, <laughs> have, I, have I got nothing else to talk about? Um, but, um, yes, yeah, somewhere along the line, this idea of, of, of talking about my experiences of um, being a comic artist and, and using that as, as an inspiration for, or a starting point for the story, uh, somewhere along the line that came along, luckily. <laughs> but, but... But yeah, it's it's tricky. Um, always tricky to find a new, because um, you you get lots of ideas uh, and just trying to figure out how to how best to um, how best to um, make those ideas come to life. You know what what vehicle you're going to use to to tell that story or yeah. tell that explore that idea. Yeah, it's interesting. Like there's, I guess, with the characters and with the the parallel, there's like mm. this period of strength and able to like take on the world and then there's kind of sure. that part where you're drained and you kind of need to recollect and you're hiding in a cave <laughs> yeah for sure yeah <laughs> yeah and there's um the, the, there's the one character very minor character he's just in one scene that the older guy that that used to be a kung fu fighter i don't know if you remember that scene but um he, he basically had given up kung fu you know and he said kung fu is a sucker's game you know just I'm happy now with my family, and I've given that up, and I'm content. Um, that was like the, the the chubby guy on the wagon with the kids. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, because because sometimes I sometimes I feel like um, you know when you're creative, you have this compulsion to like. For me, I've got this compulsion to tell stories and to create characters, um, but sometimes it can be a a real um, a real difficult way to live your life you know sometimes i think it'd be easier if i <laughs> if i didn't have that compulsion if i just um could be a you know a, a more normal person and have a, a clock in clock out kind of job you know which um where you're not totally consumed by your stories and your characters all the time mm -hmm. um so that was some of what i was exploring in that in that story now tell me about um uh the historical research that's gone into this um, because you really make a point to say that the the Mati Fukin uh, is a fictional mm. character based on on, yeah. on, on Martin Eamon uh, mm. um, but so you did some research into the Shaolin history um, yeah things around that yeah I um and um, the tricky thing with the Shaolin Temple history is that uh, uh, there's so many different versions of things, and there's some people that say the Shaolin Temple never existed. There's a, you know, and other people say it was in southern China, and other people say it was in northern China. And um, there was a, a quite a famous incident where the Shaolin Temple got burnt down um, by the emperor's soldiers. But again, there's different versions of when or if that even happened um so i i kind of use that as a um as a rationale for being a little bit loose with at least the kung fu mythology stuff um but i did also do a lot of um research into the history of china at that time and um about the um about soldiers and you know a lot of just research about what they looked like and um uh, the um, you know the political stuff in China, where the um, the the Manchu from the north 
had come and invaded and were taking over China. So all that kind of stuff was kind of, um, <coughs> excuse me, was really interesting to read about. Mm-hmm. And that's where I found out about the the Tiger Man. You know, there's those three those three um, brothers. The, brothers. Yeah, the really the Tong. Yeah, yeah, the Tong brothers. Yeah, um, dressed in their tiger suits. You know, because I I found out I'd never heard of them before. There was this. Um, this, I guess, division or section of the army called Tiger Men, and they dressed up as tigers, and they had these shields with fierce faces on them. That's awesome. And, and, yeah, they were awesome. Things. I was like, wow, <laughs> how can I not use that in my comic? It was just made for, you know, <laughs> made for a comic. Um, and their, their job was to charge ahead of the army and to... Um, basically scared the hell out of the opponents. So they had firecrackers and stuff, and they would charge and throw fireworks and make a lot of noise, basically to scare the hell out of the... Um, to soften up the uh, the enemy before the, the main part of the army came along to, to fight with them. So, uh, yeah, it was, re- it was really, really cool doing re- um, that kind of historical research. Um, yeah, which, I, of course, I hadn't had to do for Dharma Punks because it was... That was your life. You know, <laughs> Based on the 90s, when, my, <laughs> yeah, when I was out hanging out at night going to gigs and things, so, yeah. Um, is that a general direction you want to play with more? Because you, you talked about the one story that you did for the, the graphic novel exchange um, mm-hmm. based on the, the, the father and son story. Uh, and sure. Is, and you want to explore more of the kind of kung fu ideas and tropes? Um, I think I'm probably done with them for, for now. Um, I've got I've got a few ideas, and they're really because yeah, it's quite it's quite weird navigating what you want to do and what direction you want to go. And because Dharma Punks was a really personal kind of alternative indie kind of comic, but the stories that I'm getting more interested in now are a bit a bit more kind of genre orientated. Like I've done the Kung Fu one, and I'm really interested in. Um, like horror and zombies and um, Hong Kong action films and um, and horror films. So I've got I've got other ideas, also even a sci-fi one, you know. So the the kind of story ideas that I'm thinking of now they're really all going in different directions. Um, so I might I I guess if I do enough comics and I manage to draw them all, I guess I'll be <laughs> that that kind of person, you know that that has a that doesn't just do one thing, that has more of a diverse kind of um, outlook and you're not, I guess, not quite sure what I'm going to be doing next because I probably don't, you know. So you like to watch a lot of movies, I take it. I do, yeah, yeah. I was wondering if you had any particular favorite uh, Kung Fu, Hong Kong Kung Fu movies folks should check out. Oh, right. Um... You know, there's one quite obscure one, which I loved in the 80s when I was in Hong Kong. And it might not be that good, but I remember it as being just the best. <laughs> um, so so check it out, but maybe take my recommendation with a grain of salt. I th- it was called either Crazy Horse Intelligent Monkey or... Crazy monkey, intelligent horse, but it was some combination of those. It had crazy and intelligent, and monkey and horse in it, and and that was a really fantastic, from what I remember, film. It was a, it was a, it was one of those um, uh, humorous kind of kung fu films. Okay. So it was a lot of a lot of fun involved in the fighting and the the dialogue. Um, yeah, so che- I reckon check that one out. I like the uh, the use of the like. The, the the use of the, the the names like something this something that I love that yeah which I tried to sneak in you know with the names of some of my characters and 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 the titles of the you know the chapter titles I love that kind of flowery um yeah the kind of flowery names eh and kind of um, English which isn't quite right but you know exactly what they mean yeah yeah um. Well, thank you for joining me today, uh, Ant. Um, yes, thanks, Ant. Good chatting. Yeah, no, I've really, I really enjoyed Dharma Punk because I quite like 
it was really interesting. I got a lot out of it, um, and it really feels like a complete work um, that's like a really fully realized vision. Mm, if that makes you. sense, like um, yeah, for sure. I get the idea that you had a story that you needed to work out, and you worked it out with it. Yeah, for sure. That's exactly what it was. It was yeah, <laughs> it was it was me trying to work through stuff through comics. Um, I was thinking like yeah. between that and uh, Hicksville, um, New Zealand's got some pretty strong comics. Um, for sure, yeah. legacies there. Like I, I'm, I'm happy to see it collected. I guess it's it didn't get collected in New Zealand until last year, was it? Or that's right. Yeah, yeah. It took you know over ten years. Yeah. Did you have like a personal like non-interest in collecting it, or did it take? I had an interest, um, but being an artist, you know, I, I'm not my brain doesn't necessarily work in a way that says, okay, you want to collect it, so let's figure out how to do it. It was just kind of, I'd, love, I'd like to collect it one day. I wonder how that will happen. Uh, and then eventually um, people got sick of waiting and and, and a few of my friends uh, decided they would form a, a boutique comic publishing house and um, they wanted Dumb Punks to be the first uh, book from, from them. Um, and they're they're called Earthsend Publishing, and um, yeah, their, their goal is to print one one New Zealand comic a year, which is which is a real nice, kind of doable thing, you know. Um, yeah. Because it's not at all a full time thing; they just do it in their spare time. Um, and they've just their second book has just come out, which is a a reprint of an, of another really popular New Zealand comic, but back back in the eighties um, called uh, Terry Teo and the, the Gunrunners. And that's kind of like the New Zealand, the New Zealand version of Tintin back in the eighties. Oh, 80s. neat! Yeah, yeah. So they've just uh, released that book. Awesome. Mm. I look forward yeah. to seeing what it looks like. Mm. Um, so once again, folks, I've been talking to Ansang, and uh, his uh, latest book out is uh, a collection of his previous series, Dharma Punks, from Conundrum. And what was the New Zealand publisher? This End Publishing, as well as in French from. Pescaloon, and uh, just a couple years ago, Shaolin Burning from HarperCollins, and the upcoming graphic novel exchange. Thank you so much, Ant. Thank you, Robin. That was great. Thank you. Fuck. 
Jesus! 